This episode is the audio version of Gary's South by Southwest keynote from 2016. He answers questions about the strategies he uses across social platforms, his personal qualities that make him successful, and more. Hope you enjoy. Yo! Thank you guys, I appreciate it. Um, Thanks for being here. I'm gonna do a quick survey of how many people know me and don't know me. Based on that, I will speed up the process of what we're really here to do, uh, which is straight up Q&A in your mouth. And so, the mic is in the middle of the aisle now. You're more than welcome to start getting up if you got a question and getting in line, because I'd like to start answering questions as soon as possible. But before we get to that part, um, uh, I'd like to get a sense of uh, how many people do know my backstory because then I'll set up the context for this q and I'm also feeling a little bit awkward. I'm stunned that nobody's gotten in line yet. Um, how many people, <laughs> how many people uh, in this audience actually really don't know who I am or don't know my spiel? Please, please raise your hand. All right, this dude really didn't know me so well he stood up. <laughs> I get it, dude. Um, Okay, so I'm gonna give a little context, not too much because first of all, I'm humbled by how many of you know. Um, I, uh, I'm an entrepreneur, uh, I'm an immigrant. I was born in the former Soviet Union. I came to the US as a young guy, three years old. My parents hustled and, and worked their faces off to give us a middle class life. My dad eventually owned a liquor store in, uh, in Clark, New Jersey, um, and then Springfield. Uh, big ups to Jersey, yes. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's seven of us, let's hold it down. Um, <laughs> And uh, I grew up real lemonade stand, baseball card kid, real kind of hustler kid, student, punted school around fourth grade when I got my first staff on a test, and, uh, and just decided I was gonna be a businessman. Um, got involved in my dad's liquor store business uh, as a 14 year old, hated it. By the time I was 17 I realized people collected wine and that kind of brought me into that ecosystem. Uh, discovered the internet when I was 18 at that point, spent 20 minutes in my entire life when I was 18 years old on a computer ever. So clearly very different than the youngsters in here. Realized that this internet thing was something real. Decided that I was going to launch a very early e-commerce business and in 1996, uh, I launched one of the first e-commerce wine businesses in America. From 1998 to 2005, uh, and in that five to seven year, 2003, 2005, that kind of range, I grew my dad's business from a three to a $65 million a year wine e-commerce and bricks and mortar store. At that point, after actually building a business, I thought it was an opportunity for me to talk about those kind of things. It first started, ironically, with me believing that this new thing, YouTube, was gonna be big, and so I started a wine show on YouTube that popped uh, and, and created Wine Library TV. Anybody here ever watch Wine Library TV? Appreciate it. Thanks, mom. Um, and, uh, and that went extremely well. That led to me understanding that the internet was changing, the one that I grew up with, and decided that I wanted to go all in on that world. Uh, and uh, it was actually South by Southwest 2008, uh, a year after Twitter popped, that I kind of came here, really felt the energy, felt like the world was shifting, felt the internet was going into a very, very mainstream place, and decided to focus on it. A Couple months later, um, but while actually meeting Blaine Cook, the original CTO of Twitter here, um, I invested in Twitter, I went on to invest in Facebook and uh, Tumblr, um, in that 2008, 2009 period, that went extremely well. I wrote a book called Crush It. It's good to see Stephanie Land in the audience. She's my, Stephanie, you know what, stand up. Stand up, Steph. This is my ghostwriter that I reference all the time. Let's hear it for Steph. There'd be no books without her. That's not a good enough clap. Imagine dealing with me, my absolute partner in crime in that world, and so, um, Actually, we wrote Jab, 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 Right Hook on the floor at South by Southwest uh, for like six hours. Uh, Anyway, so this has been a very special place for me. Uh, I stumbled into kind of a tradition that I ended last year, which was a secret wine party. I used to ship wine down here and then pick a random bar and then tweet at it and we'd have like a Twitter storm. It's it's a very special place. I'm really excited uh, to be here again with all of you guys. What I'm here to do is do Q&A. Somewhere along my career, after Crush It came out, after my brother AJ and I started VaynerMedia, which is a social digital shop, I started doing more and more public speaking. And what I realized somewhere around 2012, 13, 14, was the Q&A part of my talk was where, very honestly, selfishly, I was able to separate myself. 
you know, in general, I don't do, as you can tell, slides, things of that nature, so that was good. I had a speaking style. I would context the room. This is gonna be a very different talk than, let's say, if this was Fortune 500 executives. Uh, you know, I, I, I was doing my thing, but it was the Q&A part where people realized that I was a practitioner. I'm very proud to not be a pundit or a social commentator or a guru or a thought leader. I'm proud to be a practitioner. I'm proud that I've now built two businesses. You know, Wine Library I built in five years from three to 65. VaynerMedia I built from three to 100 million in four years. These are real businesses, right? And these are not businesses of selling people on how to make money. This is not guru This is real business. And I take a lot of pride in that. And, and in the Q&A sessions, is when I've been able to establish that. So I got selfish 18 months ago. Uh, a young man by the name of D-Rock came into my life and we started making videos and we started the Ask Gary V show which has been very, very successful for me. I really enjoy it. I, I've really reconnected with a lot of you because I've been down, kind of head down for two or three years building Vayner um, in between Wine Library TV and the Ask Gary V show. And so it's been fun to kind of get back into the world with you guys. I'm enjoying the format. I decided to write a book about it because very honestly, the entire KPI for this whole execution the last three years is to allow me to come here, talk for five minutes, seven minutes, create a little context for those that don't know and really do what we're about to do because I think it's the biggest value prop. You're more than welcome to go to this website. It's called YouTube. There's a load of videos that could show you exactly what I could do here for the next hour but what we can do with Q&A is actually get into the details. So with that, um, I would uh, like to go into it. So. Thank you guys for coming. Let's clap it up for each other. You're up, my man. All right, hi. <laughs> Tell everybody who you are and what you do. So I'm uh, Gary Palmatier at Darth Gary with two R's. I, I know, brother. And, uh, I work at Red Argyle and do salesforce.com stuff. Great. Um, so the first time I ever heard the word empathy in a business context was from you. Okay. And it really was just a big thought process change for me. Like, I'm not, we're not just machines that like go through the day to day. We're really trying to make something happen and have these connections. So yes. just, you know, my thought is, when did that word enter your vocabulary and how did you start systematically applying it to your relationships? I was systematically applying it my whole life. I mean, I think I'm one of the great salespeople. I really believe that. I, I have ego along with my empathy. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I, and I think it's completely because of empathy, right, Gary? Like, like I know you. We interact. I know that we met at that Salesforce conference. Like, that's when we started really talking. Like, like, and why? Yes, I'm caring, but like, I understand that people, if they care about somebody else in return, enjoy those things. Like, saying thank you for everybody that was walking in right now. That's important. Like, it's an important process where I, you know, it's it's funny. I actually often think of, am I using empathy as a good thing or even as a bad thing? I recognize its power. Like somebody acknowledging, just saying a hello, like actually giving a is a real thing. And most importantly, if you understand what the other person is thinking and you are a true salesperson and operator and business person, you can reverse engineer it to get what you need to get out of the relationship. If I understand what the KPI is on the other side, I can reverse it and I think the best salespeople in the world actually know the game that's being played when nobody's actually saying it. In corporate America, 95% of the things that are coming out of the mouth of my clients is not what really is going on. And so empathy has allowed me to figure out what they're really trying to do. Are they trying to use my ability to see where things are going or be current to get headlines for them so they can get a promotion in their organization. You need to know these things, right? You need, and you also use them to understand when somebody's down and you need to help, right? So empathy, I think, is something I've always deployed. I've, you know, I see to my kids, right? My wife is empathetic and I see both my kids already. They're in a playground, they're four years old, a kid falls, scrapes their knee, and they stop what they're doing and they come over. That, that's not, insti- you're not instilling that. That's a DNA trait. You're, you're, you're empathetic to somebody else. And I think that empathy and gratitude and self-awareness, and that's why in this new book, I went much more EQ than I have historically because I'm ready to, at this point in my life to start opening up on the things that I don't know how to teach. I know how to tactically tell you to buy filters on Snapchat right now because they're underpriced for you know, the awareness of what I think they bring to the table and you can use them to capture a little bit of brand equity that will go away once everybody does it in four to seven months. I can tactically tell you that. I haven't figured out how to teach you to be self-aware. I haven't, t- I haven't figured out how to teach you to be empathetic but I want to bring the conversation to entrepreneur and startup land because it's real and if you're an actual operator, 
when you go from 20 to 640 employees in 48 months like I just have, it's only the EQ that allows that culture to survive. It's not, it's not the two week vacation policy. It's not all this horse It's the human part and nobody's talking about that enough that looks like me. Right? I don't look like the person that's gonna be the mother Teresa, warm feelings, like, right? I don't project that here when the lights are on, when I wanna rip your faces off. But back home, one on one, I do. That's how you build organizations. It matters, matters extremely matters internally, and it actually matters enormously externally. Because if you're empathetic to what, why the person doesn't wanna buy your SaaS product, if you actually understood, if you understood there was enough people thinking the same thing, you'd adjust the product. Thanks, Gary. Thank you, so much. you should drop one of your R's. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hey, Gary. My name is Kathy Garfield. I work at Team Detroit as a social strategist specializing in YouTube. Yes. I'm a big fan of the SKB show and watching since the very beginning. Thank you so much. To be speaking with you. Thank you. Yeah, so um, you often say that marketers ruin everything we do. when it comes to joining social platforms and I tend to agree with that. Or anything that has the consumer's attention, right? We've ruined earth, we put billboards up, right? Like, like any, wherever we, think, wherever we think there's eyes and ears, we will ruin that. Video games all of a sudden have Sprite like in it, you know, like we ruin everything. So how do you work to avoid that with your clients at VaynerMedia? We don't. I, 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 we try to ruin. Ruin is the slang term for being smart and day trading attention. Ruin means, in my world, good things. Which is, I, you know, everyone's like, Gary, I want to be cool on Snapchat as a business. I'm like, why? You're a business. You want to sell on Snapchat, right? Now, if cool is a byproduct of doing that, then that's fine. But I use it tongue in cheek when I say ruin it. I think the people that best ruin it are people that do things that actually work. I think I'm great at ruining things, right? When I say ruining, I mean we take a pure thing that is supposed to be Twitter. It's supposed to just be communication. It's gonna change the world. And I went there and sold a lot of wine and books and all sorts of on it. But I didn't do it in a way that made people upset. I did it in a way where I brought the biggest value. I ironically think that the best pure, pure and utter form of a marketer and a salesperson is an amazing person. Do you know why I think I'm an amazing salesman? Because I really believe with my entire heart and soul in everything I sell. And I know that 90% of the salespeople in this room don't, right? They make their money because this SEO is still where they're in, right? They make their money in YouTube pre-roll because of this. But I know deep down in their heart they know that they don't consume that, that they don't believe in that. And that's what puts me in a very good place. And so when I say ruin, I, I mean even as a collective, there's too many people doing it the wrong way and they're gonna f- it up, right? As a collective, there's gonna be 800,000 you know, Snapchat filters that come out over the next you know, seven months and that over time will make it less cool for all of us as a normal person, right? But the people that do it best win. It's always gonna happen. Not me, not you, not the collective, not the industry. Nobody's gonna stop advertising to happen in places where people are. I just want to show people that there's a better way to do it and it starts by not stealing people's time. You know, it starts with that. That's why I don't like YouTube pre-rolls as much. That's why I don't like television commercials. That's why I don't like banner ads in my iPhone. Like, don't take my time. That's an asset to me. Uh, And so that's why the native movement or anything that can remotely look like that, to really answer your question, the people that can create the least amount of friction by still promoting their product, win. That's why I think product placement in movies and television is going to be a much bigger business over the next 20, 30 years. Because it's a good way to integrate uh, without stopping you from watching what you want or stealing your time. Thank you, excited for the book. Thank you so much. Big ups to the guy in the eighth row wearing a Jets hat. It's making me feel really good, bro. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, man? Hey, this is Jonathan Van from Technium. We invest in deep science technologies coming out of universities, but this, (laughs) This yes. question is from the girlfriend. She's okay. a TV reporter at yes. Nebraska. She wants to know, you know, as a TV reporter, how do you, where would you post uh, to give value to your audience? They already post on Facebook. You know, they start their Snapchat feed. Like, what else? How do you gather your news, and where, where do you see news going if you were to run a newsroom? So, look, news is is being democratized and curated in equal directions at the same time. So, I think. You know, where they post is kind of weirdly irrelevant. Do they understand the context of the platform when they post? 
That's the key. The biggest problem isn't content. It's that people don't understand the context of the room they're in and thus the content never had a chance because they lacked the self-awareness. They lacked the empathy for what's going on there. You, you, know, you can't put a TV spot on Snapchat and think it's gonna work. It feels out of place. It's like the 57-year-old dude in a suit that comes to like a hipster party in Brooklyn that has all 18 and 22-year-olds. Like you're out of place, bro. You know, and so I think I think the answer to your question is quite simple. You know, news will always like widen and contract, right? There's plenty of people that curate. You know, I get my news from Nuzzle, right? Which is like that's what where I get it, or my stream when I'm listening to people. You know, like. I found out about Matt Forte signing with the Jets from the 7,000 people that tweeted at me in the second that it happened. So, what do you think? I'm like, I think it's awesome, by the way. And so, um, so I, I think for them, in the cliche middle America newsroom, they're usually, you know, I'm generalizing, out of touch with what their audience wants in those mediums, and they're doing TV in social, and I think that's a mistake. And so I would, t- I would tell her, for her own brand first and foremost, and then for the organization she works for, to start really relying on context. Understand what's really happening in there. Thank you. You got it. Uh, hi, my name is Alan. I Alan. Go, yeah, I go by Poetry on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and uh, Snapchat. But uh, basically my question is on weed startups. Weed. Yeah. Okay. Yep, I heard it. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> company called Get Meta, uh, backed by Y Combinator. Uh, they're calling it the Uber for uh, weed. Uh, Everybody's calling the everything the Uber of everything. Uh, I'm the Uber of humans. <laughs> Go ahead. The Uber of weed is actually really cool because you can like type in your zip code and then live conference with a doctor, like yep. your card, all that okay. stuff. But I live in Houston, right? Okay. So that's legal for me. Good. I, so it doesn't work, right? Okay. Now, the other dude, before you started talking about uh, Steve, yeah, okay, the rise of the rest and everyone having an opportunity. Uh, okay, everywhere. so what about people who are like selling or who want to? Okay, I feel like drug dealers are entrepreneurs of like, like the purest form. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, like, like, like. Okay, so my question is. If somebody who's born into wealth, right? Yep. They live in Silicon Valley, that's cool. Yep. Uh, okay, they need to get a $150,000 license a year, that's not- Don't get it twisted, man. Stop your hate real quick. Most people that get money from Silicon Valley don't come from Silicon Valley. So stop it right there. All but right. keep going. Right. But, I, but I'm not letting you just cliche it because that's okay. just not true. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, okay, so now, how does- how, okay, an entrepreneur like me, what if I wanted to study cannabis? What then move to Denver, <laughs> Houston. So why do I have to move to Denver though? Like, because that's the current law. <laughs> why do I hate Texas with all my heart? Because I, yeah, stay, I'll tell you exactly right to your face. I hate Texas, I, listen, I hate Houston more than you hate the system right now because I built a wine business where I shipped wine and this this state took Specs money, the politicians, and blocked only one store from shipping to Texas, me, because I was at the top of the heap, I was doing four million in sales here, saving all Texas people money because I was creating competition, and the wholesalers, three of them, paid your Houston politicians to block me from shipping here, and one day I got a letter and said, you can't ship here anymore. So what am I supposed to do? I can open a store in Texas and throw down, or I can adjust. That's what you have to do. Nobody gives a about your feelings, bro. <laughs> the, the, no, but for real. Like, like, and, and, and the reason I'm coming at you like this is I'm pumped for you, you're a kid. Like, don't cry about, here's the biggest problem. Entrepreneurs cry about the way they want it to be instead of reacting to the way it actually is. So you need to eliminate rich kids because I was born with I lived in a studio apartment with eight family members on the size of this stage and split toilet paper, okay? So there's no excuse that somebody, most people that are born with wealth, bro, they lose, because they're soft. So if you're so angry, put it to good energy and go move to Denver or enjoy 19 to 22, chill, then move to Denver or wait for the laws to change. You can't cry about how it is. That's just never, ever, ever, ever the right move. Good. I would argue that there was not enough clapping for that part right there and that the, 
and that the collective, and that the collective energy of this room is Let's step it up. That was some real Steve, that was some real Steve. And they're like, yeah, good, that was real. Sorry. Hey. Thank you, darling. What's cooking? My name is Maria Falfrin. I work for Capital One and I'm a career coach and speaker on career strategy and social media. Love it. I am a fellow recovering immigrant. Great. Um, former Soviet Union. Amazing. And I have an utterly unoriginal question for you. No worries. Talk to me about public speaking. What is your number one recommendation for being a powerful, effective, impactful public speaker who makes a difference? 100% of your energy and effort has to be completely predicated on what brings value to the audience. Most public speakers come up here and you're gonna see it 87% of the time at this South by Southwest, the people on stage are doing press releases for their company to the audience, period. And so the reason I have a career is I come here and the only thing, that was tough love for a kid that I want to win. That was, I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm doing this because I want to bring value. It's about bringing value. Way too many people speak and it's a press release. And so what's worked for me is, the reason I don't have the same speech is the same speech doesn't work for that awesome kid from Houston as it does for a 59 year old exec CCO, right? Of like an agency. I have to know the room, I have to reverse the room and then I have to basically deploy the current state of things for that room. And that's what I think people have to do. I'm blown away by how speaker, how selfish speakers are. Blown away. Like, like I, I'm stunningly disrespectful to a lot of the people that you guys compare me to because they're up there slinging their and promoting themselves and don't give a about you. Thank you. You're welcome. It's that weed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I love that. I just wonder, as you were building the companies, yes. can you expect people to work at the same level that you, you work at? I'm not even sure if I've met another human being that's willing to work at the level I'm at. So no, and you can never expect your employees to work at the level of the founder because it's your company and it's not theirs and to expect, this is one of my biggest beefs with a lot of my founder friends. They're like, oh, they're not working as hard as me. I'm like, you own 94% of the company. You're, what the matter with you? Like, I, I never expect that. Keep going. No, I, just, I was just wondering, as you're building your company, you want yep. to surround yourself by people, not people just like you, because that would just be weird and Yes, <laughs> and since it doesn't, they don't exist. They exist, but you, yeah, how do you? Easy. I am worried about surrounding myself with the following. First and foremost, good human beings that understand that emotional intelligence trumps IQ in my building every day of the week. I can teach you the algorithm of the Facebook feed at the current environment. I can teach you why listening and big data can help you on Twitter. I can teach you that you know hashtag culture within Instagram that makes it work. I can teach you to pay attention today to Musical.ly and Anchor and Peach and After School. I can teach you that. I can't teach you to not be a you know? And so first and foremost, it's EQ. Second of all, I one by one, one by one, Ben, Ben Ruby, Emily McDonough, I want Dan Grossman, I one by one these people and try to get to know them and I've spent numerous minutes with these three hours to fundamentally understand what makes them tick. What do they want? Dan wants to be a big time DJ. Great, so then I will introduce him to, I don't know, Avicii. And so like, you know, <laughs> what, what I do all the time is try to understand what matters to them and it evolves. When Dan first started working for me, he wasn't married, right? So different things mattered. I'm mentally prepared to reverse engineer anybody that ever works for me and understand what makes them tick. I hate when people are like, millennials. There's no millennials. There's no millennials. There's Rick, there's Carlos, there's Drew, like there's people. And I have millennials that want to work their faces off just to make another hundred bucks because they love that money, right? And then I have millennials who want to make, you know, the money's fine, but they'll live in a studio with 40 people just so they can go to Coachella and drink $19 green juice, right? So 
and here's the best part. I don't give a shit. I don't care how you want to live. I definitely don't want people to live the way I do because it's super intense and it's not normal. No, 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 listen, I mean, like, the things that I can't control, I don't worry about. If somebody gets scared and quits VaynerMedia, then they weren't able to see past the surface level of this, that, right? So, I don't, I'm never scared. I know what my intent is, I know what my skill set is, and so, I'm attracting the people that I want to attract, right? And so, the people that are leaving, and they've all been here for two, three, four years, they know, we have a pretty amazing track record of who's still here and who's not, and that's building confidence, and that's building scale. And then, because I can't be everywhere, you know, when somebody's crying in the girl's bathroom because this place, because their middle manager isn't doing the right thing, well then Emily hears that, she can interact with that and say, you should go talk to Gary. And like, I'm the head of HR. Like, you know, like, and so, I would say that um, that energy thing, I, you know, I'm sure some people have been scared, but I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit, I'm way more energetic on stage and when I'm on than when I'm operating. I'm, it, when you talk to people that have worked for me for three or four years, they say that I'm overly patient. Nobody thinks that about me. <laughs> you don't think that about me if you don't know me, right? Like, I'm, I'm a big time listener. Nobody believes that. I just caught Steph's fa- face my ghostwriter, because she's always been fun for me to watch because she knows how my persona is, but she knows how we interact. She knows what kind of client I am in a world where she's got plenty of other people she ghostwrites for, and I have a funny feeling I'm at the top of her list of likability, even though if we named them all, it would seem like, oh no, he must be tough, or too intense, or this, that, and the other thing. So, I don't worry about things I don't control. I don't expect anybody to be anything other than themselves, and then I think I work for them and I need to put them in the best position to succeed. All three of the people I just mentioned are in very different positions than they were 12 months ago and all right now, thank God, that's probably why I'm saying it, are in probably the best spots they've been at Vayner since they've been there. They're making the biggest impact and having the best time and we've been through our trials and tribulations, right? And there's been the dinner when Dan decided, okay, he's not a he's a good guy, right? Like, that, that's real. That's how. You're welcome. And, and this is why I want to build a massive business because I want to teach the world that you can build a billion dollar empire on good. Like there's no reason, this, this, this unfortunate narrative that affected a lot of my friends of Steve Jobs, like it became the move to be a because you're gonna get the best work out of people. I'll, listen, I'm, you know, I'm not Steve, uh, you know, I'm me. I'll tell you right now, I'm 40. So far, here's what I got for you. People work way better when you deploy honey than vinegar. Like, you can get the best work out of people. I've gotten much better work out of people because they're guilted to let me down versus being scared of me. Get the f- out of here. My hey, man. Gary. Yes. Thank you for uh, being here. Thank you. Um, What's Gabriel, your name? Gabriel Murillo from uh, Baton Rouge, even though my dad says Bacon Rouge. <laughs> uh, I'm loving Daily B and I want to give out. Dude, let's go back to this bacon rouge thing. I think there's something here. I'm telling you, it's great, great in Louisiana. But D Rock, I want to give a big shout out to D Rock for making this. Let's hear it up for D Rock. D Rock a fella. He's getting fancy. Flew private last night. An, an operator, hustle, work hard, but I would love to hear what you have to say when you measure your personal growth and your business growth. How do you know with your new book coming out or VaynerMedia or you know, your phone that you're growing and you say, I'm succeeding or not? You, as a, from an individual like growth pr- perspective? Yeah, both. Like you, every the day. business is easy, right? Like, I was just talking to my book people, like we've sold a load more of these than the last one, so they're happy. So like. That's easy, we're winning. Um, the personal part is, uh, I'm in a funny spot with personal growth, man. Like, I, uh, I've, I've been pretty happy <laughs> and pretty content with where I am mentally for a very long time. I, uh, I fully believe that I was gifted to see the positive in everything. I'm suffoc- The reason we have good culture is I suffocate under negativity. I can't breathe. And so, it, you know, it's just a byproduct of my own thing. I, I'm always growing, we're all always growing. I'm a, I'm a better version of myself, I can feel it, even on this tour, I've never gotten feedback like this, like, 
It's unbelievable how many people, the 92nd Street Y talk that I gave, which I'm getting a lot of feedback from, um, every, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're really growing. Yeah, I'm getting older. Like it, it changes, you wanna talk about different things. I'm starting to unveil, unveil more of the stuff that really makes me successful, which is way more the EQ stuff. So, but target to be successful. That, that was one of the things. I don't think it has to. I think it could be a benefit. You know, I think people found out about Zappos through Tony Shea's, you know, early social media stuff. So, you know, I think the mistake is a personal brand. Look, there's way more businesses that we don't know the CEO of where they're dominating and she's not out there promoting. There's some people that are like me and then of course I get those questions, but it is not a cost of entry to be successful in 2020 or 2030 to be out there for your business to be successful. Just go and build the best. VaynerMedia is winning because we're the best social digital agency in the land. Not because of me. We're winning because all our business, if you look at my business right now, the 100 million revenue, 60 or 70 of it is because people went to other companies and hired Vayner or told their friends to hire Vayner because the work was good. I don't work on any account. Goose egg. Robert Parrish, double zero. That's how many accounts I work on. So. So I don't think you have to be at the front. Retail needs to worry about what's about to happen over the next 20, 30 years, which is every person in this room is going to get product delivered to them within an hour. And in that world, they don't need Best Buy. They don't even need Amazon. The products you sell in Best Buy are gonna sell to consumers direct in their home on one hour delivery. That's what they need to worry about. Cool, Cool. thanks Brad. Super excited to be here. Um, I'm originally from Buffalo, Go Bills. I just moved to Chicago. I know, I know. I, I, I love relationship. There's no love part of that relationship. <laughs> just so you know. Bill's offensive line? No. Good. Yeah. Keep going. Gonna be honest with you. Great shooter. Great Love it. Shooter. Go ahead. But so my question for you is I know that you are really good at kind of predicting the trends. You're very successful with that. You can kind of foresee what's gonna be next. Be careful, Katie, and I know we interact a lot. Yeah. You, you've heard this from me. I don't think that. I think I just move fast when it's right. obvious. I think you've got a good pulse on it. I, I think I'm willing to work. Absolutely. Right? Like I think I'm willing to stay up from one to three, even though I'm busy as and play with musically when it's obviously in the top 25 of the free app store for months at a time and I'm baffled that people in this room don't know what it is. I would agree with that. Cool, so keep going. My question for you is with you know certain things that I know, okay, you know, you saw this, you kind of had an inkling like for so long, you've been saying Snapchat's gonna be really big, yes. Snapchat's gonna be really big, yes. that's huge. So yes. When was the last time when you kind of thought that you maybe had that intuition about something and you were Wrong or when? Never on the macro thesis, okay. but wrong in my execution or the company that was gonna pull it off. So thinking about South By, I was obsessed with Grindr, right? Uh, <laughs> I was leaving that for you guys, that was for you. Um, I was convinced that what was going on with Grindr between gay men was gonna happen between you know, boys and girls, right? Convinced, convinced. And so the way, when I first decided that in 2010, the way I thought that was gonna happen was through people discovery. It was gonna be more like, let's meet each other around similar interests, but what I really knew was it was gonna go bounce chicka wow wow, right? <laughs> so I was chasing Tinder for four years, right? I, I invested in a company called Yobongo. I invested in a company called One. I didn't invest in Highlight, which popped here four years ago, but I wanted to, but I didn't feel good because it was too direct of a competitor of Yobongo. But I was convinced it was gonna happen. I'm so glad that Tinder was built internally and nobody could have invested in it because I would've been really sad if I missed it. It was really the one thing I was scared of. I, I know smart refrigerators are gonna reorder your product. I know virtual reality is gonna be at scale and is the next internet for real, like the next true platform. I know it's 20 years away and everybody thinks it's tomorrow, but you know, so I'm really good at consumer behavior. I just sometimes think things are a little too, early. like I, maybe I'm wrong about how fast it's gonna happen. I was pretty wrong about Google Glass. That's a good one. I, I like teach you anything when you're like, oh, no. Tommy, I'm a entrepreneur. When you're an entrepreneur, you lose. It's like UFC. There's no undefeated in entrepreneurship. 
It taught me, it taught me how much I love to get, you know that scene in the movie, the cliche scene where the guy gets punched in the mouth and he just goes, spits the blood and looks back at the person you're like, oh, it's about to go down. I'm, as an entrepreneur, that's who I am. I don't even respect my losses. I don't even give them the time to teach me anything. I look them in the face and go, you and I keep going. And I mean that. Way too many of you dwell on your losses. It's holding you back. It's over. You lost. Move on. Thanks, Thank you, so much. you got it. Yeah, energy still blows. You guys. I wish different people were here. Just telling you the truth. Go ahead, my man. Hey Gary, my name is Jordan. I'm from New York, uh, recovering investment banker. Um, so I'm a Gary V. Noobs. I learned about you three days ago through the James Altucher podcast. Yes, I ripped the um, out of that, right? Listened to it three times. Yes, uh, good job. The most notes on it. Um, I want to ask you a question because of the amount of exposure you've had to yes. startups. Well, clearly not enough. Oh, it's a for me. And, and then it succeeded. Yes. Um, what do you really look for? Is it the jockey. The technical side? The guy. The, the girl. The girl or the guy. The jockey. I only bet on two things. The space. Right now for me, eSports. VR, B2B, because I think B2C is way too far away. Um, um, uh, direct-to-consumer products that are fully integrated. Uh, those are things that pop, I'm always looking at social networks if what's the next Snapchat or things that Pinterest or things of that nature. So I've got my thesis, right? Where there are things on SaaS businesses that are in boring industries where they suck at marketing and I know that my help can make it go through the roof. So those kind of, I look for my theses and then when I, VR sound, I've been looking at it, I meet all the VR sound people and then I look and I'm like she's Killer, her. So that's my process, so straight up. Yeah, I mean, but back to like if we're talking like investment banking terms, like we're talking like more hardcore business. If you roll in and you're in a genre that I don't fully understand, but you completely blow me away in my intuitive radar as an operator, I will often make a bet in that because I'll learn alongside that operator in a space that I don't know as much about, and I'll make that strategic decision because my belief is I'll learn the space. If she or he loses. I'm still gonna have a relationship with them. I still believe they're a winner, intuitively. They could turn out to be a loser and that happens and then I don't care. But if they're a winner, I wanna be there for the second and the third. All those idiots that didn't invest in Twitter because they lost money with Ev and IDEO, you know, was, that was nuts, right? Like that was, he already won with Blogger. He was clearly a winner. You gotta bet on the jockey more than the horse in this game. Thanks a lot. You got it, brother. Hey guys. Uh, I'm gonna live post this really quick. Um, so my question is. What's your name, bro? Oh, sorry, Diego. Diego. Nice to meet you. Pat. Nice to meet you. Thank you, man. <laughs> um, so one of my questions is, I think that messaging services are really under tap, especially in like developing countries. Okay. Uh, what have you seen that your clients are like? How, are they asking you how can I get into like WhatsApps and hundreds of millions of, of users, how can I get into Facebook's Hell yeah. messenger users? Yes, they are. And, and what are they, what's the strategy to get in there? It's a place where I've been very careful with, with my clients because I'm very concerned that we, because of what happened with email and our texting behavior, real, I mean, I don't think a lot of people here really want BMW to show up in their messaging apps. And I think we are all way too confused by what happened in China uh, with WeChat and we think it's a foregone conclusion, we don't factor in America enough that China is still a communist country. Like, like we are you know, coming from the Soviet Union, like there is a stunning misunderstanding of what happens over there. Yes, it's very capitalistic in a lot of ways, but there's no scenario in America where Zucks gets to go to Barack, yo B, kill Snapchat, cool. Like that doesn't happen here. This is real meritocracy. And so some of the behaviors and things that go on in China are very unique to where that's a much more real conversation. Got it? Yeah. And so if I look at behavior now, we, you know, we all now have lived through email being destroyed by marketing. Marketers ruin everything. I was a happy, I had an email newsletter in 1996 that had 91% open rates. I ruined email. So like, you know, so, I think it's gonna have to be very, very smart. I do not think in between your and my conversations about the big football match that a Adidas ad should show up. 
And I think that's what everybody's defaulting into because 99.9% of people are not clever. And I think we need to figure out how to make it work. And I think it could, but I think there's dumb ideas right now of how it's gonna work. And I think we really don't want it. Thanks. You got it. There we go, a little bit better. Thanks, Katie. Hi, you're Nina from Hawaii. Hey, Nina. Uh, what do you think is the most interesting platform right now? You mean like an app or overall platform? I'm like about Instagram, Twitter, Got Instagram. it. Yeah. I think Snapchat. I think Snapchat's the most interesting thing to watch right now because we're living through the moment of watching everybody go on it. That's always the best moment. Like watching the masses, watching like, and it's really fun to watch because it's so different. If you look at your mobile phone right now and you look at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, the UI and UX is the same. It's a feed. It's the feed as we know it. Snapchat's the first new language with a completely different context. Plus, it's forcing us to be very creative in a different way. It's probably what, it's forcing us to do what I probably thought Justin TV was gonna do and Ustream with live streaming years ago. Uh, it's created a whole new language of creativity. Um, and more importantly, there's not a soul under 21 in America that doesn't live on the platform, right? And those 21 year olds become 27 real quick. And so it's the only thing I've seen since Facebook where I know the 19 year old is gonna be 26 and still on it and that's why I'm so bullish on it. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm all in. (laughs) Yes, you are, Simon. Say my name. <laughs> Be so, careful, um, Simon. I came here with my heart, and I was first session, first time being in Austin, first time being in the Southwest. Four people in this room just said, You've got to come here at different times this morning. I cut the queue to meet one of them. And, uh, and then the other one said, That's Gary, as we're going in. So I'm like, What'd they say? You said, you said a great keynote before I gave the talk. Yeah. And then you said, thanks for coming, Simon. Yes, I did. That just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Thank so you. Mate. I just want to have a one-on-one conversation. Let's do, you do know it. Notting Hill? Or the, did you see Notting Hill? No. Uh, so it's like Julia Roberts and... Uh, Is this a romantic situation now? <laughs> no. Okay, because I, ex- I was excited. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. I, I, I mean, you're excited. Okay, let's go. Julia Roberts, no. Yes, I want to be. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> let's do it. Right? And... Wells Media there at the end, and he tells her that he loves her because she's just a girl and he's just a boy. Right. right. And the good news is, I'm, I am just a girl. Right. We're gonna get to that later. Okay. I didn't deliver it, right? No worries. I'm following, believe it or not. Okay. So, this story, it moved me. Yes. Like, I've been to a lot of events, yes. a lot of industries, and like, you knocked it out of the park. Thank you. I'm going to share a story Please. about my life. So Please. Picture Kilkeel. It's a fishing village in Ireland, right near the border on the east coast. I'm picturing, I think everybody should close their eyes right now. I'm, I'm picturing. Go ahead. And uh, it's 1878. Yes. And there's a potato famine. Okay. And this guy has to take his family out of Ireland. So they go to the west coast of England, and they tried farming there. The mother and the father die. The two boys, who are laborers, Yes. they're all laborers. Yes, I understand. They catch a boat to New Zealand. They get to New Zealand and they get- How old are the boys? Land, I don't know. But they're like- Simon, that really matters to me in this story. Yeah, well, I'm gonna find out, all right? Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Piece to go myself. Understood. Keep going. And uh, they get some land. And How? Did they steal it, or did was the government give it to them? It was during kind of some sort of like big opportunity of land grab. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you make the story better, Simon. I'm trying to talk faster so I can get through my story quick. No worries. All right, because this is not even. Sorry. Yeah, I think. Simon, I got a news alert. That sailed a long time ago. Fast is over, my man. Just own it. Go. 
All right, fine. Yeah. Okay, cool. So they get some land. My dad grows up on that farm. So his grand, I think it's his granddad comes over, right? Yes. And uh, his, his, his mum encourages him to read. Yes. And he reads and reads and reads, and he doesn't want to get into the farm. This is your dad? Yeah, he's born in 1925 yes. on this farm. Okay. And uh, he ends up, through reading, in 1955, getting a scholarship to Ohio State. Okay. And he does his PhD there. He goes back to New Zealand and he starts a sort of a revolution in guidance council. Okay. He says to me when I'm 16, because I'm like, Dad, I don't want to go to university. I got, in my family, there's like, there's seven kids, and my parents, there's nine people, including me. I don't know, there's like five PhDs. There's, there's been like four or five academic careers. I don't want to go to university then. In fact, I just want to do what I love. He says, listen, get your ticket. I don't care what you do after this, just get your ticket, yep. right, this year. Get your ticket. So I get my ticket, and then I say, okay, game on, right? He says, yeah, sure. So my last year of high school, I take up drama, I take up creative writing, take up these subjects for the first time, just I'm into. Yep. Five years later, I'm 23, and I've written for my son and girlfriend a play telling the story about Polynesian immigration into New Zealand, because there's no modern stories for Polynesian stuff in New Zealand. Okay, makes sense. And on the opening night, there is this standing ovation from this guy who was a top rugby player, a farm grown-up guy, and he just applauds like crazy. And it's the proudest moment of my life. Good for you. And um, so I just go fast forward a few, just a couple more. No worries. I'm with you, man. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I'm with you. I swear. Yeah, yeah. So, in, uh, in London, I've gone into television, and then I've gone into technology, gone into a science business. Okay. Through my parents' introduction. Yes. Guys that were studying meditation in prison, got out of prison, met my mom, said, you inspired me. And that amazing entrepreneur, this guy, Gerald Henry, you talk about Texas. Yep. This guy, Gerald Henry, is such an amazing guy, and I share a story about him. He's banned from coming to America. Sounds like my kind of guy. Yeah. So uh, he says, um, uh, you know, we should work together after we come out of meditation. And then uh, we built the SaaS business. We launched on the, on the New Zealand Stock Exchange. We have a million in sales. It's a market cap of 100 million. Right, because in all, 2007. Of course, because all those Wall Street and markets are full of. Right, and then it just got bought last week. This 2007, last week, it just got bought by private equity for a billion. Mazel tov. I was doing sales, and it killed me. I was making, I made like a million a year at one point, and I just had to go no, because I was doing what you're saying. I did it. It was killing. Is it the same thing? 25 times a week. Yep. Top you didn't believe. It was just killing me. So I said, I've got to go. And I met a guy at a funeral who had an artificial intelligence company. AI, baby. From the University of Aberdeen. And his, his, his brother-in-law just died. Okay. And we start sharing stories of one another, just like this, right? Yep. I told Gerald that night, I said, we need to talk to this guy. We raised 50 million for that company. We listed on the stock exchange within two years at 100 million valuation pounds. Um, I just got kicked out of that company like two weeks ago. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's fine. You know why it's fine? Because there's some foolish in that company, right? You, no kidding. Part of the problem is that Gerald, who's a masterful storyteller, who's a masterful business leader, who, is selling something fake? Well, no, he can't be in it because he's the crook. I understand. Well, no, not even the crook because he's got it. You need to hook up with a kid that loves the drug dealers. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, I, listen, I, so only, only because my, I want to be kind to the people behind you, I could do yeah, this no, forever. So here's my, here's yeah. my, I love you, man. Thank you, man, I love you back. <laughs> Let's clap it up for this man. Get over here.
Thanks for getting it. Thanks for getting it. I mean it. Thanks for getting it. Yeah. How you gonna top that, man? <laughs> Hi, Gary. My name is Ricardo. Ricardo. I'm from, I'm from São Paulo, Brazil. Pleasure you to see a, you. You have a lot of fans in Brazil. Thank you. And, and uh, I love you. I love you too. Because uh, you smell authenticity. Thank you. You know. Thank you so and, much, uh, man. You're, you, I, I, it's my seventh time here. You are the first guy that I saw here in the, in the seven years in a row that stand up in a, you know, outside the room to Say hello. compliment everybody. So that's why I love you. Thank you, man. It's, you know why? You know why you love me? Because I love you first. I'm not joking, by the way. The reason you love your parents so much is they loved you first. This is a stunningly important thing. You, your example to why you loved me was because I loved you first. And, I, and it wasn't a joke, it's actually something very important to me. My optimism is an absolute fuel to my energy. I am so bullish on people. Like, we've been around a long time now. We've had a lot of capabilities for that to not be the case. I know I'm getting a little heady here, but we are, I'm so sad that mainstream media took control over the 70, 80 year period that we just came out of and only talked about the .00001% of us that are And it's our own fault, we love to rubberneck and that's why they kept feeding us. But I am, there is no brand in the world that is more underrated than us. I'm all about team human. And people get mad at me that I'm like dogs and trees and, and I know it's not super popular but I'm telling you right now, I'll kill a dog for a person any day of the week. I am a big fan of humans. Don't tweet out I'll kill a dog out of context. Out of context. Don't be mean. Make the context, make the context. Go ahead my man. Well my question is, the, you are very authentic but the business world, not so many, not so much. That's my opportunity, what, my man. What the, let's make the situation yeah. where you, uh, something happens to you when you're yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to go and work for Coca-Cola. Won't Pepsi. happen, won't happen. I can't even, but, I don't. No, 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 let's make, like, I can't. <laughs> you're better off saying, make pretend you turned into a dragon. <laughs> but, no, but the question is, I'm asking you because maybe some people here, or myself, yes. works in a place Yes. Suits and meetings and you know. leave. No, yeah. That, that's it. Yeah. Here's why. Here. Let's let's say that I don't let, want to leave. Let's let's start over. Let's start over. Let's start over. Let's let's say that I don't want to leave. Let's start with why you don't want to leave. Maybe it's my. You like father, your car? My your, father's company. Yeah. Well. <laughs> What, what advice would you give to some people here? Some people here that can't, can't, I don't know, they are Here's, here's, here's ready for this? That's they right, they, to, they, they have college debt, they have this, look, here's my advice, my man, and thank you for, I'm, I really enjoy this question, and, and, and I, they want to turn that place they work in an authenticity place, you know? You have to go tell your dad that you need to fire the cancer. No matter how much they earn, no matter how good they are, if they're the number one earner, the single best driver of your business, you need to fire them because they're killing it from the inside. That's number one. For everybody else, for everybody else, look, I'm not some great philosopher. This is simple One at bat. This is it. You're gonna die. Like, I don't understand. Here's what I don't understand. And this is a very good, thank you so much because this is actually the next thing I'm gonna want to talk about after I'm done with this whole thing. I want to talk about complaining. I want to talk about complaining. If you were making your bed, you have to sleep in it and you need to shut your mouth, right? You were more than welcome. I've met hundreds of people that have left their jobs making good money when they had college debt, 18% compounded interest because they needed their mental health to be happy and they were willing to take a step back and in the seven year period, they won. Because happiness drives everything. You collectively are not patient enough. Your lack of patience is killing you. And your, your need of things is killing you. I don't need a watch, I don't need a whip. I need to be happy. One that bad. Go spend more time with 80 and 90 year olds. You know what? And I think three of you will do this. This is why I'm giving this advice. Go do something I did a long time ago when I was charting my thing. Why don't you go do some public service and go to a nursing home 
and help. I'm asking you to do this, by the way. Go spend three times, four hours of your life. Go there to be selfish for you, not because you're a nice person and you're helping. I went because I was selfish. I wanted to go with people that lived it. I wanted to hear what the common themes were. And there's only happy people and unhappy people. And the only thing was did they do it what they wanted to do versus not. I'm the happiest because I'm doing exactly what I want to do. You will not hear me publicly complain ever or privately that I miss my kids. That's my choice. I'm working hard, too hard. So I don't have the audacity to complain about it. You're more than welcome to leave your dad's company. You're more than welcome to leave Coca-Cola. You've got other things, but you're caught up in the machine. Get the out of the machine for a second and think about what you're doing here. You're gonna die. You get one chance, you got so lucky. Do you know the math behind being a human being? Every person in here won the lotto. You won. You're a person. Not a ladybug, not a tire. <laughs> not this mic. This guy's So listen, it's hard. I left my dad's business. Not so easy, right? But you're in control of your life. And so there's only two conversations for you. You go and tell Pops, this guy, Javier needs to get the out of here. I don't give a that he's killing it. Nobody likes him. He's cancer and he's selfish. And yes, he's growing our business, but he's gotta go. Or, Dad, Javier's gotta go. No, son, he's not. He's winning. Cool. See ya, Pops. That's it. That's it. That's it. All right, rapid fire time. I promised them I'd go off stage on time. Hi, Gary. Hello. I'm gonna speak slowly now. Good. <laughs> My name is Iskander. I go by Iraqman on Twitter. I was born and raised in former Soviet Union. I graduated from UC Berkeley, did research at MIT. Uh, over the past few months, I've been getting, I've been getting flooded by emails from you. Um, I, I didn't know what you did, but I sure wanted you to sell my product. Um, I'll t- I'll, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna give you a story. So I'm running a company. <laughs> I, got a, I got a good favor that we're both gonna win. Why don't you come after the talk and I'll talk to you one on one. This way we can get a couple more people. It's gonna be shorter than you expected. Well good, stop booing, go. Okay, so I'm running a company that built every third camera in the world for Sony and Nikon. Okay. Uh, we've put in 50 human years into our SDK and now we're putting our expertise into our 360 videos. It's not just another 360 video camera. Completely different approach. Okay. Wearable, miniature, ergonomic. Great. So, and the, the, the best part about it is we are... Let's assume I think it's the greatest thing of all time. Are you uh, interested in me investing? Are you interested in me helping you get to somebody? I'm interested in you enjoying the team. That's impossible because I'm too busy. I, all right, uh, I'll get that. Yep. So basically, it's <laughs> no, 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 I get the part. Let me, let me do, do me a favor because because I really want to be fair to the collective. I'll literally talk to you one on one. It's better than this. Just hang over there. Next. Thanks for coming, my man. Hello, Gary. Hello. Big fan. Been a big fan for a while. Awesome. Um, I am the founder of my own small outdoor recreation business. It's kind of like the Tom's shoes of camping hammocks. Um, you sure it's not the Uber of time? <laughs> it's not the Uber, no. Go ahead. Um, a question I have for you is you're so outgoing with your brand and you are really the face of it. Um, do you think that's important for a startup to no. have someone who's marketing no. their brand? No. No. Thank I, you. I think that if you build the best whatever, you win. Awesome, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Promised. Yo. My name is Ethan Simonton, um, Habitstacker.com. Um, I build habits through experiments, living on the street, not eating, those types of things. Interesting. Um, I totally agree with you. Not enough of, of us are hustling, we're complaining too much, yep. or we're not doing the work. Yes. Right? So, I also know you believe that entrepreneurs are born and not made. I believe big time, all time, great entrepreneurs that build million dollar companies have to have that DNA to go there. I believe everybody here can be the best version of an entrepreneur, but that might be a $200,000 a year business because you weren't gifted with LeBron's skills or Beyonce's. I think it is a skill. Yes, keep going. Now, so my question for you is, can you hustle your way to being an entrepreneur? 
No, but you can hustle your way instead of making an $83,000 a year business to a $337,000 a year business. Hard work is the single variable that can accentuate. Also, there's a lot of people in this room that were born with body types that I would even look better for the two years worth of work that I put in, or worse. Like, we can't discount DNA in entrepreneur land because it's not convenient. Some of you aren't good enough but you'd be unbelievable number threes and sevens. The number 19 guy, the 20, number 27 girl at Facebook made the right decision to not start their company. <laughs> Got it? Like we are not deploying enough self-awareness but hard work is the variable to maximize your success. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, obviously, uh, very recently I announced empathywines.com. Super important to me. Probably my biggest project ever. And to be very honest, bit off a ton. Maybe more than I can chew. And so I need the community. Need to sell a lot of cases of wine. If you, are, if you drink nine bottles of wine a year, it would mean the world to me if you went to empathywines.com right now and signed up for the three pack. Obviously, if you're a wine drinker, sign up for Club Empathy, which gives you a case of each and also access to an SMS service that helps you with all your wine needs, trips to Napa, wine recommendations. You'll see it. Just go to empathywines.com, empathywines.com.